What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, second episode of the week, we had that kind of emergency recruiting podcast that dropped on Monday. Well, we're talking more recruiting today. Uh, I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. David, Miami landed another commitment. This one's uh, kind of a big one. Daz Worsham, a four-star wide receiver out of Hewitt, Trustville, Alabama. He's announced his uh, that he's going to be a Miami Hurricane. Your kind of initial thoughts here, and um, I think it's coming out at an interesting time with the early signing period uh, a month a month away. Yeah, I think Miami deserves the coaching staff specifically Taylor Stubblefield deserves a lot of credit for pulling this one out. Um, you know, I know it was kind of up in the air whether or not he would, he was a former Alabama commit. He visited Miami. He opened things back up after his visit to Miami. And it looked like he was definitely going to commit to the hurricanes after that summer visit that didn't end up happening. And, you know, whenever that happens, uh, you kind of wonder, well, is this thing over now? Um, is Miami going to punt on even continuing to pursue him? Uh, so I think you got to give Miami credit for landing a quality player. Uh, we can get into his skill set later, but I think he's a quality addition. I think Taylor Stubblefield deserves a lot of credit for sticking with it in this recruitment, getting a guy that he highly values he he really wanted daz and um you know just just getting a good player from the state of alabama that was one time committed to alabama i think that matters he's a good fit for the offense but yeah i guess andrew what do you think this says just in terms of miami's current recruiting efforts um with this class and and what it means for Taylor Stubblefield as a recruiter. I don't know. I'm impressed by his pull with this with this addition to the class. Absolutely. That's kind of like the one takeaway storyline I, I would have th- for this. And I know um, there's going to be a lot of message board heroes and uh, there's going to be a lot of people that claim that Alabama's dropped Daz Warsham or they didn't have space for him. And that might be the case, but... Um, this is still a talented kid who picked up a ton of offer, offers Excuse me, his, his sophomore year. And I was talking to his high school coach uh, early Friday morning. And as coach pointed out to me, I, I said, you know, who else is really involved in this recruitment? He says, it's really just Miami and Alabama. And I, I said, why? And he goes, when Daz committed so early, so many schools just kind of stopped recruiting him. And why would those schools keep recruiting him? I mean, why would you keep recruiting a kid that's in Alabama's backyard that is likely going to go to Alabama? And I think Taylor Stubblefield did a great job uh, of kind of chipping away. And um, Dan Enos actually should be mentioned as the one who kind of got this ball rolling. I think he knew that there was a chance Alabama might not have the space for Daz. And he kind of made that introduction with Taylor uh, and, and Taylor's the one who went during that, that first bye week of the season and went and saw Daz play. And I mean, I think, I don't know if we said it on this podcast or we wrote it, but it was kind of like, oh, this is an interesting stop because what, what are you guys doing? But I think it got to the point where he had, he had worked so hard that he wanted to kind of see this thing through. And I think that says a lot about uh, Taylor Stubblefield as the receivers coach. Um, I also think um daz uh, you, you know when he took his official visit to miami back in uh in june for paradise camp weekend he came out of that visit absolutely loving 
uh, Taylor Stubblefield. So we kind of had some questions about what type of recruiter uh, Taylor would be. I mean, he only had worked at Utah and uh, Air Force. Could he recruit at this level? And I think um, his first real cycle in, he's done a nice job. I mean, Michael Redding, that was another kind of off-the-wall pull. So uh, he's finding guys that he likes, and uh, he's working hard, and I think that counts a, a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to get results, but I- I'd rather have a coach that's that's working hard than one that's just kind of going through the motions. And I think Taylor is is a guy who who's who who's, who grinds really. Let's address some of the maybe questions or or concerns with Daz um, that the fan base might have, and I think I think some of them are fair, but I think it's worth maybe going through them, and, and you know you can form your own opinion. Uh, after we kind of talk about things, I guess. So the one one thing I think that gets brought up a lot is his forty time, right, Andrew? He's yeah. uh, he he's been clocked at what? As far as we know, he's been clocked at like a four eight laser forty. I think that was in twenty eighteen. Right, I think it was. Um, and look, I'm I am totally a guy who is on the side of things like the stopwatch don't lie. Um. But I do think if you watch his highlight film from this year and previous years, I think he looks like he's he definitely looks faster than four eight on film. Do, do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I, I would I would think so as well. I mean, um, I, I've never had the chance to see him in play, but I know speed is, is the one concern. I think the other concern is uh, hip surgery. He had, he had hip surgery after his junior season, so that kind of kept him off the um off the camp circuit and the seven on seven circuit but again this kid is going to play in the under armor all america game uh next month so we should have a pretty good idea of where he stacks up but yeah this everyone gets caught up on that on that one number and i mean who knows who knows if that was if that was a laser all we know was is it was on 422 18 so let's say let's bring up some of his positives too and to me this is like whenever you are evaluating a high school player, I think you want a guy who produces at the high school level because if a guy doesn't produce at the high school level, chances are he's not going to all of a sudden produce in college, right? right? So I think if you're looking at his junior year when he caught 87 passes for I think 1,022 yards and 13 touchdowns, Thousand yard receiving seasons in high school football don't just happen all the time. And I think also for his career, he's caught 215 passes for 2,369 yards and 28 touchdowns. So in my mind, that production is worth getting excited about and being intrigued by with Daz. Um, and you can go into this too, Andrew. I think in general, he kind of fits this offense in terms of what Taylor Stubblefield and Dan Enos want in their receiver. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, he's a guy who catches the ball. Um, you brought up that big junior season. I think that was over 1,000 yards. And uh, he, 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 he caught a bunch of passes this year, but I think he was only averaging less than 10 yards per catch. And I was talking to Steve Wiltfong, uh, the 24-7 sports director recruiting, and he kind of brought that up. And sure, that's that's something that yeah. I mean is it, you know is that a concern? Sure, yeah, or, or whatnot. But you also got to remember that Hewittville trusts uh, or his school um, they lost their starting quarterback. It was Paul Tyson. 
Uh, last season he went, and now he's a freshman at Alabama. He signed with Alabama. So uh, they actually rotated quarterbacks this season. So I think that's that's a little bit of the issue. I mean, if the quarterback can't push the ball deep, I mean, how's the receiver supposed to, to catch these these deep passes? So I think when when you look at the number within the number, that, that stands out to me. But I do agree um, he kind of fits that mold of what, what those guys want to do. I also think he's a very smart wide receiver. Um, I, I was told by someone on Miami staff that when they kind of got him on the official visit uh, and, and got him in the whiteboard situation and we're going over the offense, he was very engaged and uh, seemed to, to know what was going on. And I think if you've ever listened to Taylor Stubblefield or, or kind of been around him, like you see that's what he's looking for. And I think he's also looking for – I also think he's a, he, he's a guy with a good work ethic. Um, just talking with some of the people like his coach – and again, that's something that I think Taylor Stubblefield looks for in his wide receiver. I don't think Taylor wants guys that he's going to have to beg to do the extra stuff. I think he's looking for those K.J. Osborne types who are going to catch extra pa- uh, passes after practice and, and, and do what it takes. I remember back in fall camp when, when we could watch. Bas- there was a few practices where we could watch the entire practice during fall camp, right? So I remember... Uh, watching some red zone stuff where the receivers were working on. Uh, so in Danny Enos's offense, on, on some plays, he has a lot of option routes, right? Which requires the receivers to read coverages and then make the right decision on where to go based on those coverages. And I remember during one of these drills, you know, the receivers weren't really picking things up and reacting the way that Danny Enos wanted them to in terms of adjusting to the coverages that were being worked against. And he was, you know, visibly frustrated. Now, I'm sure that's something that's improved over time here during the course of the season. But to me, that was kind of just like a little window in terms of seeing what they want in their receivers. And yeah, just kind of agreeing with what you were just saying. I do think Daz is a guy who will be able to read coverages and adjust the way Miami wants wants them to with their offense. Last question I have for you on Daz, Andrew. Um, he's listed at six foot. Is that is that his height? Is he a six foot kid or is he a little taller? I think he's a little bit taller than that. Um, when I saw him in the official visit, that was the Paradise Camp weekend. I mean, it was kind of from a distance. He's got some some long hair, but I do think that he's a little bit taller than that that six foot listing. Okay. Anything else on Daz overall? I mean, I think it's a solid commitment. I understand the questions and they are fair, but I think this is this is a good take. It it is, and I think when you look at what Miami wants to do, this one makes sense. And also, let's also talk about this. Miami's now gone into SEC country in back to back cycles. Uh, and, and pulled the kid out of Alabama. It's kind of weird. I, I don't know why. And again, I know everyone's going to sit here and say that Alabama didn't want either of these kids. But the reality is, that, you know, they, at one point they were committed to Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. And um, maybe Miami's kind of found uh, um, a, a found found an avenue to work. I mean, if other schools aren't recruiting these kids, and why not go in there and, and try to get them? I think Alabama in general is just a pretty under recruited state. Yeah, and just to clarify, you're talking about Christian Williams, who is a defensive back uh, that Miami signed last year. And I think, look, we see him, and 
I know he's not seeing the field right now, but I know behind closed doors, the coaching staff is excited about the future of Christian Williams, right? And they feel like, I mean, I, I feel the same. Like, I think he's going to have a chance to push for a starting job potentially next season. Right, absolutely. I mean, even when he came back in the summer, they were like fired up that he was at workouts. Like, he's what you want your defensive backs to look like. So, yeah, he might not be playing at, at the upper 1%, at that Alabama level, but he's still a guy who's a very talented player. So that's a that's a good point you make there. Anything else on Des? No, let's let's keep it okay. rolling. So you dropped some big <laughs> recruiting scoop on Thursday evening. Um, tell us about it. Well, I was enjoying myself at the Florida Panthers game at the BB&T Center when I started fielding some phone calls and getting some messages. Uh, yeah, so I've logged a crystal ball forecast in favor of Miami for Deerfield Beach top 247 running back Jalen Knighton. Knighton, um, we've talked about him at length in previous episodes of this podcast, is a former Florida State commit. He's also a former Oklahoma commit. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hearing that uh, Miami has emerged as the team to beat. And that recruitment, and I'm kind of wording that carefully, but I've heard enough where I'm ready to just kind of forecast him to Miami. And uh, as our subscribers at Inside the U pointed out, I'm pretty reserved with these, so um, that must mean I know something, and that's the case. So um, interesting development. I didn't really see this kind of happening as fast as it did, but don't forget, Miami got Jalen Knighton on campus for an unofficial visit uh, this past Monday. Okay, so you touched on it. Like you just you don't throw out crystal balls for no reason. So you do feel good that things are trending towards Miami's way. Um, what has you maybe thinking that you know I don't know two or three percent chance that it doesn't happen? What has you maybe feeling that way that it's not a total hundred percent done deal yet? Uh, just from my conversations with him in person, uh, when I spoke to him after he committed from Florida state, like sometimes you can kind of tell if a kid knows where he wants to go. And I think he's still a bit undecided. Now, with that being said, I think Jalen's parents want him at Miami. Um, you know, they were at the Louisville game by themselves, just kind of, they went, they attended that game. Jalen's dad went to Louisville, but, um, they were, they were there. They, they decided not to go up to Gainesville. Uh, with Jalen for an unofficial visit. Um, and it seems like dad is the one that kind of keeps bringing Jalen Knighton around. And um, so I, I think right now Jalen ha has bought in and, and is sold on the idea of playing at Miami. My only reservation or concern would be uh, if another school kind of got involved um, late in the process like let's or not late in the process i guess over the next couple of weeks before that early signing period let's say uh florida state makes a big splash hire i don't know like a brian kelly or, yeah. or something like that and then they they come back and they try to get him i could see a scenario kind of playing out where Jalen then goes and falls in love with it or something like that or one of these big blue bloods all of a sudden they realize they need a, a running back so I, I think there's a chance he might try to he's keeping it the door's slightly open for something else, but that that's just kind of my thought process right there. So I know when he decommitted from Florida State, uh, Florida was viewed as a significant threat to land him. Is that no longer the case? Should, should Miami fans not be worried about Florida anymore, or are they still a school to keep an eye on? No, they're, they're in it, but I think Florida, 
from what we kind of heard, and we were talking about this off air, I don't know if Florida's completely sold on Jalen Knighton, and they're also out there recruiting some other running backs. I know they're going to trying to flip Jocavius Marks. He's a kid from uh, the Georgia outside of Atlanta area. Uh, he's currently committed to a Mississippi State. They're going to get him in for an official visit. And there's some other running backs that are in play. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Everyone keeps asking me if he's going to still take that official visit to Florida. He's scheduled to be there uh, the weekend of December 6th. I'm not sure yet. Uh, my best answer would be check back to the site <laughs> at, at some point because uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually headed up on well, – as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm driving up to Vero Beach to watch Deerfield Beach play – um, uh, Vero Beach play uh, Vero Beach. Excuse me, sorry, I just got a text message. Uh, so I'm gonna uh, boots on the ground. I'm I'm driving up there to see him. So we should have more more clarity on where things stand uh, either on, on Saturday or or Sunday. So for maybe the fans that don't follow recruiting closely, tell us why it would be a big deal if Miami was able to land. Uh, local Deerfield Beach four-star running back Jalen Knighton in this class because Miami doesn't land kids out of Deerfield Beach. I mean, I think that'd be the, that'd be the first one. Um, look, Jalen Knighton would be a luxury for Miami. Miami already has what they think is the best running back in the state committed, and that's Don Chaney. Um, they could be absolutely fine taking just Don Chaney this cycle. Like I think, in in most rea- worlds, they would do that, but. They think Jalen Knighton's pretty, pretty talented, pretty special with the ball in his hands. And uh, Jalen has had a relationship with Eric Hickson, Miami's running backs coach, dating back to Hickson's days at Kansas State. Um, and there's done actually a number of people on Miami staff that are pretty close with uh, Knighton's family, Stephen Field, David Cooney, like all those guys are involved. So I think it'd be a big deal because it shows that um, – Miami can go and win some recruiting battles. Like we haven't seen this in previous cycles. Uh, the past couple of early signing periods have been um, I, status quo. Like most of the class has kind of already been in place, and it's more Miami not 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 closing and not sealing the deal. And I think if Miami's able to get Jalen Knighton, that shows that hey, maybe things are starting to get a little bit different here uh, under Manny Diaz. And I know. There's the decommitments and all that, but I think it would be uh, a, a big testament to this entire staff's ability to recruit if they can close with a guy like that, and um, it would show things are headed in the right direction. Is it primarily Coach Hickson who you think has been leading the charge with Jalen? Yeah, I think it's Coach Hickson, and I know uh, Stephen Fields involved in it, um, and, and then all the support staff guys I mentioned. Tell me, how do you view how Knighton and Cheney would complement each other as players. Uh, I think it, I think it works. I think I, I, I wrote this. I think they're both good athletes and um, I mean, I, I don't really know. The thing is most people want to know why Miami never went after Henry Parrish or why aren't they trying to pin, pair Henry Parrish with, with Don Cheney. I, I just think it's because, Henry Parrish is a very talented player. Like he does a lot of good, th- a lot of things good. I just don't think there's one trait that makes him uh, elite. And I think with Miami, they they think Jalen Knighton that that short intermediate burst is elite, and that's kind of why they 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 are after him. And I think that'd be a great compliment to Don Chaney. I I view Chaney as a guy who probably can play all the downs. Um, 
so I think Knighton would be a nice change of pace back, kind of similar to like a maybe like a Cam Harris, kind of how they use DJ Dallas and Cam Harris now. I mean, that would be the goal, I guess, two, three years down the line. Yeah, and from what I've seen of Knighton, mainly in camps and seven-ons, uh, he's a very good route runner for a running back. Um, you know, he almost he runs routes as well as slot where I'd wide receivers do, to be honest, um, at these camps I, I saw him at. And so, yeah, if if Miami wants to get creative and use him in that way, uh, he can definitely be a weapon. I know Dan Enos is constantly complimenting DJ Dallas for the way he can make plays in the passing game. And, you know, it seems like two or three times a game, they set up screens to the running backs. So that's that's definitely an area that, that Jalen Knighton could succeed in the Dan Enos-type offense. Uh, I know I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, Andrew, but is there anything else recruiting-wise uh, that Miami fans should keep an eye on? Any other any other no, nuggets I mean, or anything like no, that? No, I mean, that's, that's kind of the nugget since the last time we taped. Like I said, I would definitely check back to the site on, on Saturday or Sunday because... I'm going to be up there on the road. I, I know FIU is going to host some recruits uh, for this this game on Saturday just because it is considered a home game for them and they, and they can give out tickets. And I, I know, I think it was Chris Dock wrote that they're expecting a, a large group of, of kids there. So I'm interested to see uh, if any like Miami's younger commits kind of sneak in there into that recruiting section. But that's about it uh, for recruiting but like we say everything's moving so fast and developed so fast that who knows i mean by the time this publishes something else could could be out there yeah and we should say too i think we still have that one dollar for your first month deal at at inside the u right andrew is that still going on yeah so you get that first month all the way through the early signing period for a dollar it's pretty good value all right so should we touch on it let's touch on fiu uh quickly you want me to just ramble yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't seen any FIU games this season. Um, I watched. I think the last time I watched them was in the Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So, so fill me in on uh, what what well, we need to know about FIU and. Uh, to be honest, you. they're very similar to the team we saw them play last year against Miami. Sim- very similar team. Um, their quarterback, James Morgan, is a straight-up pocket passer. He's got a decently strong arm. He is a veteran guy who's like a redshirt senior, older quarterback. So he understands uh, his offense, where to go with the ball, get the ball out quickly. Um, he's not the most mobile guy. So if he if Miami's coverage is tight and he has to hold the ball a little longer than he wants to, there's definitely going to be some sack opportunities, I think, for Greg Rousseau and, and that defensive line. So I, that's something I would I would watch out for. I I will say I do think for a group of five offensive line, FIU's line is actually pretty good. Um, I think they want to build their offense off of a strong run game, and they got two pretty good backs with Anthony Jones and. Napoleon Maxwell, who I think will have a chance to, you know, sniff around some NFL training camps when it's their time to do that. And who knows if they get in the right situation, they might even stick on a roster. Um, so they, they do have some talent, good size, speed, 
combination type running backs. And that's something that FIU definitely wants to get established offensively. I know last year, Miami did an excellent job of taking that running game away. Um, I think FIU managed only 17 total rushing yards in the game last year on like 24 carries. Um, So definitely Miami would love to have that type of performance again. On defense, you know, FIU's, the thing that stands out about FIU's defense is their run defense. And basically you can look through all their wins and losses this year. They're five and five currently going into this game. And on the games where they, on the games they won, they did a pretty good job of stopping the run. The games they lost. They were horrendously bad stopping the run. There was a game earlier this season. I forget the opponent, but they allowed 400. I I think it's like 472 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns in a single game. Uh, They have multiple, multiple games when they allow 200 rushing yards. So they are one of the worst run defenses in the country. Um, and, And I think... From an offensive standpoint, Miami should be able to get DJ Dallas going in that regard. Um, Building off that point, FIU, because they are so bad with stopping the run, they will devote a safety in the box a lot of times uh, to help the numbers game there. And that will allow for some deep shot chances for Jaron Williams and the receivers. So those big plays through the air that we've seen against Florida State and Louisville in recent weeks. Those plays will be there uh, also this week, assuming FIU continues to do what they've shown the whole season. Um, They don't really have much of a pass rush, to be honest. Um, Their front seven really isn't all that consistent with their tackling, which is kind of why they're not very good on run defense. I will say I do think their secondary has some talent, I think their secondary has some borderline NFL guys. Um, And so I think that'll be an interesting matchup in terms of, you know, seeing Jaron deal with uh, a secondary that does have some talent. Because honestly, if if I'm going to compare FIU secondary with Louisville secondary, I would take FIU's all day. (laughs) I do think they got some guys. So that's my rambling long breakdown of FIU. Um, Yeah, I I think it should be a fairly comfortable win. I know last year's game, the score ended up being a lot closer than the game actually was. Like Miami was up 31 to zero midway through the fourth quarter. FIU kind of exploded, honestly, for some garbage points uh, against Miami's second unit. And they got 17 points real quick in about, you know, seven or eight minutes. So the score looked kind of tighter than the game actually was. Um, so honestly, I, I kind of expect a, a pretty comfortable win for Miami on Saturday. Okay. That was a, a great breakdown. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 w- I will say I do agree that there, there is some talent in that secondary, and that's kind of a product of what happens when you just recruit South Florida. I mean, some yeah. of these guys are eventually going to hit, and they just that's what they do. Um, over under Greg Russo two and a half sacks. <laughs> right. I mean, I do think the potential is there for over. Um, it just depends on how long he's in the game. <laughs> right. I would probably say two, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, I think defensively, 
there's the chance that there is a lot of sacks in this game. Yeah. Uh, looking up and down there too deep, one guy I want to point out, uh, place kicker Jose Bor- Borregales is the brother of Miami's 2021 kicker. So that's that's a, yeah. that's an interesting storyline that no one has talked about, but it's I guess it's not really a storyline, but he's a guy I would keep an eye on if I'm a Miami fan. Yeah, we'll see how he looks kicking. He's what, a redshirt junior, is he? Yeah, he's a redshirt junior. That's a guy I would, I would keep an eye on. I'm just going to leave that right there. Yeah. Um, give me your score prediction. What did you, what'd you say? So I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with like 45 to 17 is what I'm yeah, thinking. I, I got it 49 to 12. Um, yeah. I can't believe the and, line. And what's the spread eight. now? What is it? it yes, 20 and a half to, is what I half. saw. Yeah. Okay. I think there's a good chance Miami covers. Like I said, I think, honestly, I just think they're looking at last year's score and kind of building off that, which I don't think is wise. I mean, it was kind of the way FIU scored so many points late was kind of fluky. And like I said earlier, like Miami was dominating that game 31 to zero in the fourth. And they kind of well, let their foot off the gas. Go ahead. I mean, this is the type of offense that Miami yes suffocates. Like <laughs> pro style yes. quarterback. Like they if they stop the run. They're just going to tee off on them. I, my thought is, I think Miami covers. Like I think that's a great bet because yes. when Nikosi Perry gets in the game, like he's going to keep pushing the ball. There's no reason for him to just hand it off. So I have a you bring up, you bring up Nikosi that. Reminded me of something I want to ask you. So, Dan Eno said there's a Tate Martell package, and they wanted to get him in the game against Louisville. Didn't work out. Do you think we might see Tate this week? Some wild Tate against FIU. I hope, but no, because they've said this every week. <laughs> like, I know it's weird. It's weird. I Dude. I'm with you. I hope we see it, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. Well, I would definitely. I, maybe you do because depending on then whoever you play in the bowl game is going to have to spend all bowl prep doing yeah, that if you fair. show it here. But right. I mean, uh, do the freshman defensive linemen get in the game? So are they all at four games? I, I honestly no, don't. No, they're all at. I, I'm talking about Jalar Hawley. Okay, uh, so they're at Jordan one Harris, game, right? They're all at one game. They, these guys should play. I would think so, yeah. If Miami's up comfortably in the fourth quarter, definitely they should play. And I think they will play. Yeah. All right. Anything else or what? I think we're good, man. But yeah, like we said earlier, uh, $1 for the first month. If you guys want to sign up, take advantage of, of Andrew's VIP access with recruiting. A lot of people have been taking advantage of it lately. Um, he does a good job of, of keeping keeping you guys informed on the latest recruiting scoop. And this is the time of year where it's never ending, um, yeah. you know. Andrew experienced that last night with Jalen Knighton. Uh, so yeah, stay locked in to us, and uh, we love our existing subscribers, and we'd love to welcome some newcomers too. So try us out and see if you like it. Yep. Uh, until next time, guys. We'll talk to you later. Take care.